Blog Talk Radio. And good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Jets Podcast Review Show on 247sports.com. The New York Jets have done it again. They have found another way to lose a game that they held on to for basically three and seven-eighths of a quarter as they fall to the Tennessee Titans by a final of 26-22. to 22. Along with Rick Lachlan, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. You know, Rick, I'm just not going to really go with the pleasantries here. This is a game where basically the defense did very well, special teams did very well, but somehow, some way, the offense once again falls short, and towards the end of this game, the off the coaching fell short worse than what the offense showed in the red zone. And again, it's another week, and it's the same old problems. I will say, if you're looking for any silver lining in this game, that the Jets, for the first time really in the six-game losing streak, they found their stride in the running game. You had Isaiah Crowell lead the way, 98 rushing yards. They rushed for 156 yards as a team, which, frankly, they hadn't even touched 100 yards rushing as a team during the six-game slide. So from that standpoint, you at least saw a little bit more of a balanced attack from the Jets. But, again, with all these trips inside the red zone, five trips inside the within the red zone uh, – I'm sorry, yeah – Five trips inside the red zone. They had five field goals, including a 54-yarder from place kicker Jason Myers, who has just been an absolute stud as far as special teams is concerned. Converted all five of his field goal attempts. He's been tremendous from outside of 50 yards. And without him in the fold, this Jet offense would be scoring in the single digits because the only touchdown they got on the day, of course, was that first quarter pick six interception return from Jermaine Johnson that's been under fire from me. He's been under fire from fellow Jets beat writer Michael Cohen with 247 Sports and really has been one of the major disappointments. Just forget about a Jets free agent player, a free agent player of anybody this offseason. He has not lived up to the expectations of that contract or what the fan base had for him. And for him to get this game started off with a bang with that interception return for a touchdown, you thought the Jets were going to get a spark You thought that was just going to be the turnover they needed, one they hadn't had over the course of the prior five games. And despite that, despite the interception return for a touchdown, this offense, aside from a running game that burst out in a big way, the passing game did nothing. They didn't force any additional turnovers. And we all know after that 16 to nothing lead, everything that could have went wrong went wrong for the Jets in this game. You know, when you see this Jet team start off uh, this game, and you know what? They start off fairly well. They start off fantastic. They, you know, uh, they stopped the Titans from getting a first down. And in reality, the Titans stopped themselves because after getting five yards on a second and ten through a Deion Lewis five-yard run, then, the, you know, Tennessee creates their false start penalty. They get a five-yard false start penalty. And then Mari- Marcus Mariota was sacked by Frankie Louvu for five yards. I think that's... Luvu's first ever NFL sack. I could be wrong. Um, he might have been in the NFL in the past with another team, but uh, you know, Frankie Luvu, you know, gets a big sack on Marcus Mariota, and then the Jets 
boy, were the offense was just in sync with everything. I mean, you had Josh McCown really having this offense in sync. Quincy Anunua starts off with a seven-yard grab, and then it's Trenton Cannon with a five-yard run for a first down. Crowell starts off with a five-yard run, second and five. Robbie Aronson makes a great eight-yard grab for a first down. Okay, fine. There's a 10-yard holding penalty that, that ended a, um, a good run, and then the Jets get half of that back. They get the 10-yard penalty back, but on third and 10, and I thought, well, I'm somewhere saying ill-advised throw, but if Robbie Anderson makes that catch in the end zone, that's not ill-advised. That's 7 nothing. Uh, and then there's the Jason Meyer field goal, which he just plinks it off the inside of the right upright and over the crossbar to get a 3 nothing lead. And then all of a sudden, as you said, Tremaine Johnson, who's been basically in Michael Cohen's doghouse, and rightfully so, he does the best thing on third and four, gets into the line of sight of Mariota, hauls in the throw, and takes it to the house for 31 yards. That is the third pick six of the season for the New York Jets and their first pick six since week six at home against the Annapolis Colts. And for Frankie Louvu, of course, he did have a sack early in the year. This was his second career sack against the Titans, the first coming week eight against the Chicago Bears. So it was good to see mm. him get in on the quarterback. You saw Jamal Adams pick up a sack in this game. Jordan Jenkins, who's been one of the really unheralded players on the defensive side of the ball, did a tremendous job coming through for a sack. And, again, this is – look, we understood the problems with the offense. We understood that Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua, you saw Bilal Powell go down to injury, Sam Darnold missing the past few games. So you, you kind of saw the writing on the wall that this was going to be a team that – prior to the bye week and after the bye week, was going to struggle to move the ball offensively. So you understood all that. But there was an opportunity for the defense during this now six-game losing streak to try to take the mantle and make some plays and create some game-changing turnovers. And you mentioned, aside from the week one pick six that uh, Darren Lee had and, of course, Jermaine Johnson's last interception came in week one, there have been very few and far between opportunities that the Jets – defense has capitalized on to turn the field position battle and to create some scoring plays. So for them to do that, especially such an early on point in this game, you thought that could have been a turning point and a momentum shifter for a Jets team that really needed a spark because despite Josh McCown getting back into the lineup, I mean, 17 of 30, 128 yards passing. He had the one interception, of course, the final offensive play of the game where he hurled the ball up for Chris Herndon in a, in a desperation throw that was intercepted. But there was not much to speak of. I mean, McCown had a 25.6 quarterback rating, and this is coming off of a week where the Titans losing uh, that past uh, Monday night game to the uh, Houston Texans, in which the Texans put up a bevy of points, and Deshaun Watson in that passing attack threw the ball over that secondary. So, that was disappointing from that standpoint. The Jets couldn't even get to 150 yards passing, nevertheless 200 yards passing. And I just felt like uh, this was yet another example of the coaching staff. Todd Bowles not scheming, the, putting the players in a chance to make some plays defensively. Tremaine Johnson just really individually made a tremendous play of anticipating that throw. And then on the offensive side of things, I mean, Jeremy Bates just looked no further than that third and five play with the Jets up by three points inside of four minutes to go and they run a reverse play 
to Trenton Cannon that is just absolutely demolished at the line of scrimmage. Those are the kind of plays, the predictability, the fact that you're facing third and five and you're, and you're keeping the ball on the ground and giving it to a third-string rookie running back. I mean, these are all just head-scratching calls of the Jets in the big moments when they have a chance to ice the game away, keep the ball away from their opponent, basically take the air out of it and sit on it with for a knee to, to ice away the victory. They, they have to, they're forced to kick the ball right back to the Titans. They go all the way down the field and win the game. So the Jets had so many opportunities in this game to take the air out of the ball. You mentioned the Robbie Anderson near catch for a touchdown that would have changed things. The play calling on third down, uh, the pass, of course, on third and, and goal where essentially you had A.V. Williamson, you had Jamal Adams. All, all the guys were in good position. They just couldn't make a play on Mark, Mark, Marcus Marietta's throw that ended up being the game-winning touchdown. So you can make the argument that players make plays and the Jets just didn't make enough plays to win this game. But from a coaching staff standpoint, the offensive game plan was horrendous. And Todd Bowles, especially in that second half when they played uh, an outstanding half, they failed to make and counter the Titans' adjustments and allowed them to make that 16 to nothing comeback and send the Jets to their sixth straight loss. And this is a combination of two things here, Rick. Once again, Todd Bowles not making adjustments in the second half when he has to. <coughs> Pardon me. Secondly, the play calling by Jeremy Bates was absolutely god-awful, especially late in the game. Especially late in the game, you're up by three. Six, six points, three points, you're up by three. The Tennessee Titans, while they're making these great plays, these uh, huge chunk yard throws by, Mar- Mar- by, uh, by um, you know, Mariota, what happens, but they could not punch it into the end zone, and so they're chipping away at the score. They go for a field goal for suck, for suck up, and he converts. But before those conversions of field goals, why are you calling on third and two? Why are you calling a, you know, a little throw, a dink throw in the backfield to Elijah McGuire where there's nine guys near the line of scrimmage? I mean, it's like right in the box. And you're throwing the ball four yards away from the line of scrimmage. And then what does Malcolm Butler do? Well, he takes out Elijah McGuire because he's right there because he's reading the play. They're going to try and dink and dunk that throw. And then, you know what, you're going to try and get two yards when you've got to run for four just to get back to the line of scrimmage. And then you get those two yards. Well, I, I just don't understand that play call. And then, like you said already, Trenton Cannon, the end around, also on third and two. And they're, they're all waiting for Trenton Cannon at the line of scrimmage. I mean, look, it's not that hard, and it's not that difficult to try and do a trick play. You know, trick play. <coughs> Pardon me. There's, it's not that hard to do a trick play, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're in a position where you've got to punt the ball, and then here come the Titans, and they're chucking it down the field by Marcus Mariota, and he's getting 45 yards, 55 yards. They're, and then you're just inviting them to get the winning touchdown or to tie the game and force overtime. But instead of going into overtime, the Titans went to win the game. You know, I wasn't really sure why the Jets had parted ways with former offense coordinator John Morton, 
who last season I felt like he really did an adequate, if I had to give him a letter grade, I'd say a B or B-plus job in handling the offense. I mean, you had Josh McCown. You had no Quincy Anunwa, of course, down to injury. You had no Isaiah Crowell, who, of course, the Jets signed during free agency. No Chris Herndon. I mean, a lot of these weapons that have emerged this year were not on the team last season. It was even an offensive lineup that was devoid of many weapons that they benefited from now in 2018. Not to mention Robbie Anderson thrived in John Morton's system, eclipsing 1,000 yards receiving, having not even arguably having his best season as a pro and you know the Jets decided to move in a different direction they have Jeremy Bates who has coaching experience as quarterback coach with the Chicago Bears really not an experienced play caller his play calling is confusing at best and by confusing it doesn't create any confusion on the defensive side of the ball you have Jet fans from the stands at home games calling out what plays coming before the ball's even snapped. So if fans know by formation what play is going to be run, you certainly know that the opponent is going to have a beat on the play that's coming through, and that's exactly what happened on that third and five situation with Trenton Cannon. I mean, the the Titans defenders were licking their chops as he was making his way down to the right sideline to try to get outside and, and get a first down. And these are the kind of things that – Really, in NFL, players win games, but if you're not putting them in a position to succeed and you're putting them in these painfully predictable situations, I don't care how dynamic a weapon you have back there, they're not going to be in a, in a position to succeed. So for me, uh, it's, a, it's a frustrating trend that this coaching staff continues to – they all have jobs right now. There's obviously the expectation that when the season is completed, the Jets will make a change and will send Todd Bowles packing. But if you're a Jet fan, and I posted an article earlier today on Facebook that got a a great response from Jet fans, it's that Mike McCarthy, who's a Super Bowl-winning coach, he's led the Packers to nine playoff appearances in 11-plus seasons with the team, and he also has four NFC title appearances. If the Packers have the capability of firing Mike McCarthy in season and have no problems with releasing him, why on God's green earth is Todd Bowles, who has never led a team to the playoffs, had one winning season in New York, why is he getting the white glove presidential treatment in this city when he has proven nothing as the head coach of this team? I can't understand for the life of me how he still has a job, how Jeremy Bates still has a job on the staff. The Jets are now losers of six straight. Even if they get Sam Darnold back, let's say he returns next week, when the Jets take on the Bills up in Orchard Park, you're looking in a scenario where the Patriots may have a top seed locked up by the time they play them in week 17. And you could be talking about shutting down Sam Darnold for the final week of the year, or perhaps the final two games of the year. So you really only have one or two meaningful games as far as it relates to Sam Darnold developing. There is really no risk of releasing this coaching staff now, trying to get a beat on who your next head coach is. Because in my mind, if you have a Super Bowl winning coach that is basically surprised and fired after a game, then Todd Bowles really doesn't deserve to be around here and hang around until the end of the season. You know, the big question mark is going to be when will Bowles be fired? When will this coaching staff say goodbye? Who is going to leave this team through the chopping block and you know to be honest Todd Bowles should have been fired a couple of weeks ago uh sadly that did not happen so we are going to endure the final weeks of this 2018 season with Todd Bowles at the helm 
of this New York Jets football team. And look, I, I don't try to you know make light or make fun of someone's job, but the truth is is that Todd Bowles right now, um, right now he is basically sailing a rudderless ship. Meaning he can't control what's going on. He doesn't. He just can't make these changes. He can't fix the situations that are being thrown at us right now. And at the moment, we're expecting. I'm already expecting uh, not another five win season. I think this is it. I think they'll just win. Maybe maybe a fourth game. Maybe they'll win in Buffalo, uh, or maybe they'll be home and they'll probably win against Green Bay. The truth is they should have won this game. And, you know, I understand all the draft talking. Well, the Jets should continue to lose because now they'll be in the top three uh, for the 2019 NFL draft. You know what? I'm sorry. I don't play by that. I don't like it. I hate it. I don't want to have a losing mentality. And I understand you get the best pick in the draft. You're going to get probably the top prospect if he falls to you in your lap, like what Darnold did in this past draft, uh, this past April. But the truth of the matter is this, Rick. I don't encourage losing. I don't believe in losing. I want to see another win by this Jets team if it's possible. And if it's not possible, then so be it. But right now, it's getting to the point where every Jet fan just does not want to watch another game because Todd Bowles is still the head coach. And I'm not going to say they're meaningless football games because you do have value in trying to evaluate certain players and which ones are going to be worthy of contract extensions, principally Robbie Anderson, who an article was put up earlier this week that I feel like Robbie Anderson still has a lot to prove. He's stayed out of trouble. He's kept his nose clean. But, look, how do we know he's not a one-trick pony? He had one 1,000-yard season with John Morton calling the plays. He's been a shell of his former self with Jeremy Bates, calling the plays. You don't know if that has 100% to do with the play calling or whether teams are really catching on to the fact that he's a one-trick pony that he reminds me of in a lot of ways of Mike Wallace. He's really not a refined route runner. He's able to burn players down the field for big gains. But as far as understanding the nuances of the position, he has a long way to go. So before the Jets really commit to him long-term, especially with the big free agency period coming up where they have an ability to bring in and address a a multitude of positions, I would hate for them to open up the checkbook for Robbie Anderson and for him really not to even come close to his production of what he did in 2017. So I think if you're a Jet fan, the frustration level is high. These couple games that are coming up, whether Sam Darnold returns to the lineup or not, I would agree with you, Daniel. I'd be surprised if the Jets win two out of these next four games. I think one and three is a realistic scenario and, frankly, one that may be even optimistic at that because you would hate to, in a meaningless Week 17 game, you'd hate to start Sam Darnold in risk injury. Josh McCown, who's 40 years old at this point, he's not going to want to go out in, in that form or fashion. Maybe you give Davis Webb an opportunity and an audition to be the backup quarterback for next season. But aside from that, when you look at skill positions, when you look at key positions on the field, there is really no significance to any of these final four games except to get Sam Darnold on the field healthy and at least a little bit of confidence heading into next year. So for me, that that plays into the argument for releasing Todd Bowles, whether the Jets win these next four games 56-0 or lose the next four games 56-0. I know it's going to upset Jet fans. It's going to anger them. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to have a major impact on the franchise moving forward. Sam Darnold's already cemented as a starting quarterback 
Todd Bowles' fate is already sealed in New York. So there's really not that much up to be determined following these next four games. And in my mind, again, I know last season was a disappointment, 5-11. and 11. You had some excitement. You had a little buzz around the team. You had the opportunity, of course, they were chasing a top draft pick, which they ultimately had to trade up for in order to get Sam Darnold. But at this point, I'm not going to say losing is the best thing in the world, but if the Jets are, are doomed and they're set to go 3-13, and 13, you have yourselves a, a top three, if not a top draft choice. That's not the worst thing in the world going into a free agency period when you have all the money in the world to spend, a top draft pick, uh, what I would call, I know a lot of people still say the jury's out, but I still am going to say Sam Darnold's the quarterback of the future, and you hire a new head coach, there's going to be a lot of good times to look forward to. But unfortunately, this is some of the darkest days that Jet fans are going to have to endure before, before things get a heck of a lot better heading into next season. You know, that's the thing, Rick. And while, look, we understand very clearly it's still a rebuild, but you want to see positive moments in a rebuild. And while there are some positives, sadly the negatives are outweighing the positives. And let me also say this. While the negatives are blaring and there has been some good moments with this Jets team, let's not forget special teams Let's be honest, special teams has been absolutely unbelievable. Now, you know, Jason Myers has kicked five consecutive field goals in this game. That's not bad. Even though field goals are not what the Jets needed, still, it's points on the board that the Jets had to have. And that is a positive right there. Let's also talk about the punt block by Kevin Pierre-Louis. I mean, my goodness, Rick. What an amazing play that was where the Titans, still in the first half in the second quarter on the Titans' fifth possession, on fourth and 20, and then all of a sudden he comes Kevin Pierre-Louis, not even blocked, but he goes right in, knocks the ball down, and he gets the ball himself. Then you have the Titans scoring their first touchdown of the game late in the first half. It's by Anthony Fisker. 12-yard catch and run for the touchdown, and then the field goal unit, they block the extra point. So the Jets led in that one by 10. That's even better. But then here is the sad part of a great job by a kickoff returner, punt returner, Andre Roberts, who has had a stellar season with special teams. When he got the opening kickoff for the second half, a 61-yard return that got to the Jets to the Tennessee 42-yard line. And what did the Jets do after that great kickoff return by Andre Roberts? They crapped their pants. They absolutely crapped their pants. They could not even muster a, you know, a positive performance or at least a positive run. Oh, the first the first down was a pass knocked down. Second and ten, McGuire has a two-yard run for third and eight, and then an incomplete pass in the middle that no one grabbed for, fourth and eight, and then you punt it. You wasted an opportunity to try and get down the field. And then what happens? Well, obviously Tennessee goes three and out in the next on their first uh, possession in the second half, and then the Jets go get another field goal to make it 19-6. to six. And then that's when the Titans turned it on. And they got two touchdowns, 
course, the second touchdown was a game-winning touchdown, and it's like two or three field goals in between touchdowns. The New York Jets on offense could not even help their special teams who had a fantastic game that was just flushed down the toilet. And I'm going to go as far to say that the Jets special teams has been far and away the brightest spot, not only in this game, but the entire season. I never thought that I would say that a special teams coordinator deserved as much praise and admiration as former Jets special teams coach Mike Westhoff. But Brant Boyer, the special teams coordinator, the job he has done from all facets, kick return coverage, punt return coverage, kick return coverage as far as Andre Roberts is concerned. You have a kicker right now, Jason Myers, of course, who has picked up, who has done fantastic. He's been unbelievable from 50-plus yards. Has two missed field goals on the year, above a 90% uh, percentage as far as converting kicks. You mentioned with the blocked extra point, you had a blocked punt. Earlier in the year against Detroit, they had a blocked punt. I mean, anytime the special teams play has an opportunity to create a momentum-shifting opportunity, they do that. And I, I just have to give a tip of the cap because in a season that's been a lost year, it's part of a rebuild, so you didn't have playoff expectations coming in. But really, when you look at all the other phases of the game, the special teams has been the one steadying presence that has not let the Jets down so far this year. And I know you want to clean staff. I know you want to overhaul this entire coaching staff. And who knows uh, what, whether the next hire will bring in his own guys. But I, I would find it hard to believe that there's a more capable and more steady and reliable option than Brant Boyer. I think he really deserves him alongside Kevin Green, the outside linebackers coach. Those are the two guys that really deserve to keep their jobs and not only stay on with the next uh, set of head coach that comes in here, but also should at least garner an opportunity down the road to advance their careers because they've shown they're capable in their jobs. And that's more than you can say for the rest of the staff because, again, it's been a failure from the offensive standpoint. It's been a failure from the defensive standpoint as far as play calling is concerned, time management is concerned, game management, everything that you could point to for reasons why the Jets have lost. You could point to a whole myriad of factors from personnel to game planning to in-game strategy, but not one time has the Jets' special teams let them down or cost them an opportunity to victory. And I would even argue in the three games that the Jets did won this year, the special teams were absolutely instrumental in getting the Jets those wins. And had they not had such an outstanding performance from Brant Boyer and his staff, you could be looking at a Jet team that maybe won one, two, or maybe no games this year if the special teams wasn't playing at this level in 2018. Yeah, very true, Rick. And that's the one thing right now that is the bright spot. And there are some other individual bright spots on defense. I mean, we've seen what Jamal Adams has done on the field. I think he's done a good job. Um, I think that the front seven has done a very good job. It's sad that, you know, Marcus May is injured, that he can't uh, do what he has to do out there. But hope, but we know he's a prize say, he's a, he's a uh, a prize safety out there that has really complemented Jamal Adams very well in the secondary. But what we do see here is that there are pieces to the puzzle for the Jets in the future. Hopefully they will improve going into 2019, um, depending on who gets kept and who gets cut. And we'll see what happens, uh, you know, with this coaching staff, because, 
you know, you, you try to give Todd Bowles the benefit of the doubt. First two years of his head coaching tenure, ten and five, and then five and eleven because he had an internal issue with his players. He couldn't handle it. So what did they do? They decided to destroy the roster and start a rebuild. And you know what? We said last year, you want to rebuild it? Fine. We're not going to worry about all these things anymore. We're not going to worry about losses. We're not going to worry about the wins. Okay? It's a rebuild. You know, should they have won a couple of games here and there last year? Absolutely. But you know what? These are the types of players that lead, that they need to learn how to win. And then you come into this year. And then you're thinking right away, not so much that have they jumped the shark, but maybe are they going to be better? I mean, basically, and sadly, week one in Detroit was a mirage. Horrible play calling. Um, you know, and at the same time, you don't practice to wonder if you're going to knock out Tyrod Taylor in the Thursday nighter at Cleveland. You have a 14-3 to lead, and then you blew it because Baker Mayfield came in and changed the outcome. Great comeback, Vic, great comeback win to make it 2-3 and three against Denver, a solid 3-3 three and three against Indianapolis, and then you just completely crap the bed with everything else. Yeah, and look, to me, you know, you have 16 nothing lead against Tennessee. You alluded to the 14-3 to lead against the Browns. And we, of course, know what infamously happened in that game. The Jets were not prepared for Baker Mayfield. On a short week, coming off a Sunday game with a Thursday night uh, contest in Cleveland, the Jets, uh, Jamal Adams said it best, the Jets only prepared for Tyrod Taylor. They did not prepare for Baker Mayfield. And for you and I, as longtime Jet fans that – watch this team, run this podcast, for you and I to even mention in the podcast that there is a possibility and a strong one at that. I really felt like Taylor, if he didn't get off to a good start, that you would see Mayfield. He, of course, was knocked out of the game with concussion, uh, with a concussion, that being Tyrod Taylor. But the fact that the Jets coaching staff didn't even prepare his team for Baker Mayfield is just unheard of. And, you know, for me, that could have been a turning point in the season instead of the Jets losing that game. And, of course, going into a mini tailspin, that could have catapulted them at least to around the 500 mark. So instead of at 3-8 and eight at this point in the season, maybe they're 5-6 and six and they have at least some slim mar- uh, margin of hope. But the reality is, you know, things work out for a reason. I think if the Jets were, you know, 7-8 or dare I say 9 wins – you could be looking at a Todd Bowles extension. It could be just like week one was against the Detroit Lions, a mirage. So in the end, it's probably better off that Todd Bowles' coaching capabilities reared its ugly head, and he's going to be on his way out following this season. Yep, absolutely, Rick. And we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen uh, next Sunday when they make their road trip to upstate western New York to take on the Buffalo Bills. Well, after that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been the Jets podcast review show on 247sports.com. The New York Jets in week 13, they fall to the Tennessee Titans at Tennessee in Nashville by a final of 26 to 22. Join us this coming Friday. Once again, week 14, the New York Jets will be playing their fifth divisional game. They'll be on the road at the Buffalo Bills. For Rick Lockland, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. This has been the Jets podcast. Review show on 247sports.com through blogtalkradio.com. We'll talk to you on Friday. Take care. So long and bye-bye for now.